how are you? Welcome to the Kate Languages Summer 2023 Replay Series. <laughs> this summer, between seasons four and five, I'm re-releasing some of my favourite ever podcast episodes that I think are well worth a re-listen. From my top tips for saving time to classroom management, the new GCSE and teacher wellbeing and burnout via some of the best conversations I've had over the past few years with some absolutely incredible educators. I hope you enjoy listening to these episodes again and get lots of great ideas and inspiration from them. This episode, which is my top five tips for saving time, was released way back in February 2022 and it was episode 12 of season one of the podcast and in it I talk about yeah what it says on the tin my top five tips for saving time as a teacher having a little re-listen to this uh, has made me realize that I really need to follow my own advice because I still do some of the things that I talk about in the podcast and I'm sure lots of us are guilty of doing these things as well so in it I talk about things like how to say no uh, not reinventing the wheel, which is a really, really important thing. One of the things I mention is exploiting one text in different ways. And I'm actually going to be doing a whole two-hour workshop on this next year. Well, if you listen to this when it comes out in June 2023, uh, so next year being 2024, I'm going to be doing a hot, yeah, like I say, a whole two-hour workshop on how to exploit one text in many different ways. So have a little listen to this. If this sounds like something that you'd be interested in knowing more about, then head over to my website, katelanguages.co.uk, click on online courses, and it's in the CPD courses, and you can sign up to that. You can actually sign up to all of my CPD for the academic year 2023 to 24. And it doesn't matter if you're listening to this well in the future, because these are going to stay open. And once the workshops have happened, you will still, if you if you sign up for them afterwards, you can still get access to the to the recordings and to the resources and things like that. And you can actually sign up for all of them as a bundle, again, on my website. So it's in online courses and you click on CPD courses. Or if you're a Buy Everything customer, all of my CPD is included in the Buy Everything package, which is a one-off payment and you get access to all my resources. So in this episode, I talk about resources as well. So obviously I have loads and loads of resources on my website. So as a Buy Everything customer, you have access to all of my resources, full lessons, previous CPD, pre-recorded CPD, and then any CPD that I do in the future, you will automatically be added to the list and you will be able to come along, watch, take part live, or if you can't make it on the day, they will be uploaded to the Buy Everything Downloads page and you'll be able to access them forever, whenever you want. If you want to buy everything, again, just go to my website, katelanguages.co.uk and click on Buy Everything. Okay, I hope you enjoy re-listening to this podcast. And as always, let me know what you think on Facebook and Instagram. I'm at Kate Languages on both. Or you can email me, kate at katelanguages.co.uk. Enjoy. Hi, welcome back to the Kate Languages podcast. This is episode 12 of season one. And this is the last episode of this first season of the podcast. 
it is currently the end of February 2022 and I'll be back again after Easter with the second season of the podcast. As always, I just want to say thank you so much to everyone who's been in touch with feedback about previous episodes. And as I'm taking a bit of a break for a few weeks, if you haven't managed to listen to all the other episodes, then that gives you a bit of time to catch up. And looking ahead to season two, I would really, really love some more fantastic guests. I've had three episodes this season where I've had conversations with other people. And um, yeah, I'd love to speak to more people in the next season of the podcast. So if you are a languages teacher, all the better. Um, but for any, anyone who is a teacher who's got something really exciting to share with us, then I would absolutely love to hear from you. So you can get in touch on the social media, um, on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. I am at Kate Languages. Um, or you can email me, so you can go via my website, katelanguages.co.uk, and get in touch that way, or email kate at katelanguages.co.uk. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to having some really good conversations uh, for the next season, which as I say, we'll start more, we'll, I'll be back in April 2022. But I do have an episode today, don't worry, this isn't just two minutes of me telling you that's the end of this season, uh, and I'm starting the next and when I'm starting the next season. I want to talk about time today. Um, I never have any time to do anything and I'm sure many, many people feel the same way. Um, and I've just been thinking recently about ideas and tips and tricks to save time. And I've got to say, probably most of these are things that I really wish I had done when I was a full-time teacher. Admittedly, I was never a teacher when I was also a parent. So, um, I, I mean, you know, I know now as a parent that you have even less time. Um, so, so actually, it's even more important, I think, that you have the, uh, yeah, that you kind of understand how to save time and that um, yeah so hopefully some of these ideas will help you if you've got other ideas on the kinds of things that you do to save time. Um, I know that Adeline who I spoke to um, a few episodes ago is really great at talking about this kind of thing and reclaiming your kind of work-life balance as a teacher. Um, so yeah do check her out she's at teaching eight to four on Instagram. So yeah so my five tips for saving time. Number one, say no. <laughs> this is something I wish that I had been much more assertive about when I was a teacher. Being able to say no, it doesn't matter what you are saying no to. So I remember when I when I was uh, a trainee, no, a trainee or when I was an NQT, I, I don't know, I got it in my head that it'd be really good for my CV and good experience for me to help out with a netball team for example um I don't really know why it was a waste of time I didn't help I just kind of stood around watching um yeah I think maybe I thought that there was a oh use all the standards and stuff you've got to tick off I don't know if I thought that it would help with that I don't know anyway that's the kind of thing that I just wish I'd said no to. I can't even remember if somebody asked me to do it or if I volunteered. But it's that kind of thing, like really think, and especially if you're a trainee or an NQT or ECT, you're called these days, aren't you? Think really, really clearly. If somebody asks you to do something, is this going to be useful for me? Is it going to be useful for the children? Because obviously that is the most important thing. 
is it going to take up valuable time that I need to be spending doing other things? Um, you know, really think really, really carefully about what you are saying yes to. I'm not saying you need to say no to everything because I think it's great to be to do stuff that's part of the wider school environment. In another school I worked at, I used to go along to choir practice, um, partly because I just love singing and I love music. One of the music teacher is still to this day one of my best friends. So, you know, I kind of I liked hanging out with her. The boys who did it was a boys' school, the boys who did the choir were lovely kids. Um, it was at lunchtime, it was quite nice to kind of hang out with them. So I'm not saying like don't ever go and do stuff that's out of your department or you know, in a lunchtime. Um but but yes, just think really, really carefully about what you are saying yes to and what you are doing. Um, and you'll find the more you say no, the stronger you get at saying no. Um, and this can also be true outside of work as well. Again, when I was younger, I used to say yes to everything and I used to completely like over schedule myself at the weekends and then I'd either end up letting people down because I'd be like, I'm too tired, I can't do this. Or I'd go along to things, I'd feel knackered, miserable, just like, you know, just like, I wish I wasn't here, constantly look at my watch, like, when am I, you know, am I allowed to leave before 10 o'clock? Do I have to stay until, like, midnight or whatever? So, so yeah, and once I started to realise, right, I don't like doing this, that and the other, and I don't want to do that, and I'm going to say no, and I'm going to protect myself, um, I, I definitely think that that's you know, that really, really helps. Obviously, the things there are things you can't say no to. There are things that you are obligated to do, as in teach your classes, prepare your classes, do parents' evenings, things like that. Um, but yeah, just when people ask you to do stuff or when you yourself think, oh, maybe I should volunteer to do X, Y, Z, like netball club, think really carefully, do I need to do this? And if you even have an inkling that the answer is no, because you don't have enough time, say no. <laughs> Number two, don't reinvent the wheel. I often see posts on Twitter and Facebook groups saying, before I reinvent the wheel, has anyone got X, Y, Z? And I, I always laugh at them a little bit, but I do think it's a really valid thing to do. Why would you spend hours creating a resource that already exists? Now, whether that is a textbook, whether it's resources like mine, whether it's, you know, that I mean, gosh, there are so many people out there making such incredible resources, um, so many of them for free, and, or, you know, lots selling them at a very cheap price. I mentioned in my resources... Um, podcast that the best review I ever had was from somebody who said because I bought this booklet it meant I could spend time with my family and that is the epitome of not reinventing the wheel if this person had spent their weekend creating a resource that I had already done then they wouldn't have been able to spend time with their family and yeah I mean you know that's time that you're never going to get back if you've got a young family you'll understand that um and even if you haven't you know you're spending time with other people, friends, on your own, reading a good book, like these are all really valid things to do at the weekend instead of writing a resource that already exists. Um, so yeah, so that, I mean, I think when I'm talking about don't reinvent the wheel, I'm thinking 
more about creating resources. In terms of lesson planning as well, once you have done um, a year's worth of lessons, don't or don't think like the next year, oh, I need to completely, you know, redo that lesson. Look back at the lesson you did. And yes, you will probably need to tweak it because your class will be slightly different. You will have more experience. Some of the things might already feel a bit dated. Um, and yeah, you might want to tweak it a little bit, but don't start again from scratch. Um, and if you do like creating your own resources, um, then go ahead and do that. I mean, sometimes I think perhaps it's quicker to just, if, if you love writing resources and you can do it quickly, to quickly write a worksheet instead of trawling the internet trying to find something that you know that is available and and that is any good so there is a balance there but my point is that there is so much stuff out there don't always try to do everything from scratch and you'll be amazed by how much time you save um my third point my third idea is to um not to replicate okay so in terms of data um i remember that i used to mark kids work fill in their scores on my own spreadsheet i mean some people i also know do it on a physical piece of paper then they fill it in on a spreadsheet and then there's like a school-wide spreadsheet that you have to fill in um the data and then it's in the kids books as well <laughs> so it's like you've got this one I don't know, it's like a, you know, a vocab test mark. You've ended up putting in like four places. Like why? Why are we doing this? Why are we not just, you know, marking marking it and putting it in one place that is then universally accessible for anybody to see? Uh, I think that's probably the easiest way of doing it. Um, and in terms of marking as well, if, you know, I know a lot of people now are so much better at just do, just having a flick through books making a note of common errors and then doing that as a whole class activity instead of spending hours and hours and hours marking each individual piece of work and giving each child individual feedback or you're going around in the lesson talking to the kids as they're writing and you're marking that way that saves so much time um, another thing that you should never ever mark listening um, exercises, reading exercises, unless they're longer answers in the target language, then maybe you might want to check over them. But if you're doing a true, false listening or reading question, why would you mark that yourself when it can take 10 seconds in a lesson? Get them to swap books, mark each other's. If you desperately need to know how many they got out of 10 or whatever, then get them to tell you, or you just have a quick look when you mark their books but really you marking things like listening and reading activities especially if they're like you know abc true false uh whatever they you know what those kinds of things is such a waste of your time you are not learning anything about those students from marking those either you're really not Really, you should be seeing listening and reading um, activities as just practice and just helping them to to move on to the next level and, you know, to understand the vocabulary and to help it embed um, in their minds. So, yeah, so my third point there is don't replicate. Do something once and then it's done and then leave it. <laughs> 
My fourth idea about trying to save some time is to take one text and to exploit it in as many different ways as you possibly can, okay? So you start off with a text that either you read aloud or you find a listening activity and you start off with a vocabulary activity. So you need the transcript. It has to be a listening where you've got the transcript. You start off with a vocabulary activity. You can do it as a listening activity. You can do it as a dictation. You can do it as a gap fill. You can then give them the transcript and you can work through the transcript. Um, you can do reading um, questions on the transcript. You can get them to translate the transcript from the target language into English. You can then use that transcript as a writing frame to create a piece of writing. That will take an entire lesson and you've only got one text. Now, this might be teaching your grandmother to suck eggs or whatever the expression is to some people, but I know that especially again when I was starting out I, I used to think right I need to do a starter activity um, I need to teach them some vocabulary I need to do a listening and then I need to do a reading and then maybe I need to do a translation and then maybe I need to do a writing and I would try and find different texts and different activities for each of those things and my point here is get a text write it yourself even writing it yourself will save money or I know some people, for example, will take um, my resources and they will take the reading task from my resources and they will exploit it in all those ways that I've just said. Um, so, yeah, I mean, getting someone else's saves you even more time. But decide what you want them to learn that lesson. Get everything included in one text and then use it in lots of different ways um, to cover all of the um, skills. What I mentioned there didn't include any speaking, but you can then, um, if you're getting them to do some writing themselves or getting them to, I mean, you could do the whole thing around a photograph as well, which you, which can help with speaking. Um, you could get them to do a little role play based around the text and things like that. So just, yeah, just using one text and exploiting it in as many different ways as you possibly can. Another thing related to that, that I've seen people sharing on social media, and I'm really sorry, I don't know who... I don't know who, I've seen it quite a lot, um, is to pick an activity, for example, uh, a starter activity. So, um, gosh, I don't know, crosswords. I used to love doing crosswords, starter activities. And do that with every single class that week so that you are not wasting any time thinking, oh, what starter activity could I do with this class this week? If you think, right, this week I'm going to do crosswords with every single class. I'm going to pick 10 items of vocabulary that they should know and I'm going to create crosswords and I'm going to, I mean, if you have a photocopying budget, you can print them off and they can fill them in. If you have to do everything on PowerPoint or whatever, um, then crosswords probably aren't the right thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you, you know, if you're doing a retrieval practice activity, you do the same one with every single class that week and you just make it fit in. Um, it might not be stuff you've done the previous lesson, it could be stuff from two weeks ago that will actually then fit in with this activity that you want to do. Um, or the same plenary, do the same plenary game. Um, my favourite game was always Corner Game, which I have written a blog post about my favourite, I think it's called Great Games for Language Learning on my website. And I go into detail about Corner Game because it is just a brilliant time saver, you don't need to plan anything at all. 
Um, so yeah, so have it, check, check that out if you want to know how to play the corner game. Um, but yeah, do the same plenary game for every single class that week and then you don't have to then plan it into your lesson. You just think, right, five minutes to the end of the lesson, I'm going to do this game quickly, that's it, done. So again, it's exploiting one thing in many, many different ways, but you're saving the time of thinking for every single lesson you're planning. Oh, how am I going to start this class? Okay, my last one, number five, good is good enough. I know everybody wants to be outstanding all the time. That's fine. It is totally impossible to be absolutely amazing every single lesson. You will get exhausted, you will burn out, and you will waste time. Um, I'm not saying your lessons shouldn't be good. Like I'm, you know, I'm not saying, oh, it doesn't really matter if they don't really learn anything. That's not I'm, that's not my point. I'm not saying that. My idea behind good is good enough is, for example, PowerPoints. And I, do you know, I still do this. I still do this. I try to make my PowerPoints look amazing. And I've got to say, on the newest PowerPoint thing, they have these all these slide design ideas come up on the side. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty. Oh, that's pretty. Oh, I'll add that. I'll add that. And after a while, I'm like, what am I doing? I just, like, it doesn't, it doesn't help people learn just because your PowerPoint's pretty. It doesn't actually help people learn at all. Um, what helps them learn is repetition, practicing, enjoy, you know, engagement, enjoying the lesson, feeling like they have some autonomy over their learning, etc. etc. A beautiful PowerPoint doesn't actually help anybody learn anything. A really bad PowerPoint might put, put people off. And I know, like, if I look at a really bad PowerPoint, I tend to spend more time looking at why the PowerPoint is so bad. And that includes if there's too much writing on a PowerPoint, writing that. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so a pretty PowerPoint is not necessary. And if you have templates, again, I've seen loads of people share these kinds of things on social media and it makes so much sense. If you have PowerPoint templates that you can just pick and choose and go, right, this is the template I use for my listening activities. This is the template I use for writing tasks or whatever. Then, and, and it's the same with resources. My resources are pretty simple and straightforward. I don't spend hours making them fancy. I don't use fancy fonts. I don't use complicated formatting. I, I choose nice pictures from the internet. I, I love to choose, you know, quite sort of stylish photos because I think that adds something to the resources. And I set them out nice and clearly um, with a simple font and... Um, I always believe that less is more, that over, you know, having lots and lots of pictures and like things that are completely superfluous to the learning as well. So like I say, I'll have a nice picture because I think it just makes it look a bit prettier, but I'm not, it just makes it more attractive. It makes you want to do the, the, the worksheet, but cluttering a sheet with lots of superfluous pictures just because you think it looks good no it's just not necessary it's a waste of time finding sometimes I find I spend so like for my um my current resources I'm working on mastering the basics one of the key points of that is that even though it's basic and it um is it is kind of aimed at um, SEND students or students with lower literacy. I don't want it to be patronising, so I'm not using cartoon clip art. I'm using stylish photographs. 
and I'm spending time choosing those photographs on the internet but sometimes I do feel like I'm spending so long choosing like a really cool photo um rather than actually you know just creating the resources and getting them out there for people to to buy and to use so yeah again there's always a balance but I think yeah so not spending ages creating beautiful powerpoints um and then yeah spending ages looking for photographs like for pictures online that actually are just cluttering up your sheets or resources or whatever um and yeah less is more and I think that goes back to my fourth point about exploiting one text or one idea in many ways in lots and lots of ways less is often more so you stick with one thing and you you know you, you do it in lots of different ways so hopefully that is useful advice for you I think like I say this is advice that I kind of wish I'd given myself 10-15 years ago uh, just to run through them really quickly recap again number one say no <laughs> number two don't reinvent the wheel number three don't replicate so I'm talking about data and marking and stuff in that sense number four in exploit one text or one activity in lots of different ways so that was including choosing one starter for every single class that you're going to do in a week and doing that starter obviously you change the vocab sorry I don't know if that was clear Hopefully it was. And number five, good is good enough. So there it is, my time-saving ideas. I'd love to know if you find any of those useful. If you do some of those things already, if you're going to implement one of those and let me know how that goes. And yeah, this is the end of season one. So as I said at the beginning, and as I always say, thank you so, so, so much for listening. And thank you for all the feedback that you give me um, about the podcast and how it is helping you in your teaching and if you've got any ideas for the next um, season if you would like to be interviewed because you've got some really really exciting things that you want to talk about then please do get in touch and last but not least if you could rate review and subscribe to the podcast just to let other people know that it's out there and hopefully that will help them too so, until the next season, au revoir, auf Wiedersehen, adios, bye.